Okay, whoever is the audio engineer that produced those uh, symbols should be getting a grammar. punished. No, those symbols were horrible. Uh, welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Ed. I'm Josh. I'm Jed. I'm Ed. And I used to think that that lyric was, um, you make believe. Which I never understood what that had to do with uh, the rest of the lyrics of the song. But wasn't it on a single with Make Believe? Wasn't Make Believe like the other side of the single? I don't remember. I don't remember. It's a long time ago. Uh, I don't like single. <laughs> it still sounds soft. Uh, I do? I do. Oh, you do. Well, you do. Oh, you are. Jen does sound a little soft for what it's worth. Yeah, she needs to get up on that microphone. I can't get much closer. I'll be behind it. <laughs> <laughs> What? Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about Glee. We are back to discuss. Are we, maybe, maybe that's the problem. Is this Puppet Master. Oh, I that think. was what it was. Yay! We I solved keep the turning myself up when I should be turning Jennifer up. Better. There yes. she is. <gasps> Yay! What up? Sorry about that, guys. If you listen to the beginning of the show and you're like, "Why is Josh so loud?" That was why. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I have just plugged into the wrong things. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and do a podcast. Oopsie. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> um, so welcome. We're going to talk about Puppet Master. Uh, we're going to do a twofer today. So if you're listening live, all eight of you, uh, Nigel1985, <laughs> Typo, hey, Jenny, Jenny, Maybrock, France. I don't Daniela. know who that is. Daniela. Uh, and people over on the YouTube. Um, we got all kinds of uh, fun stuff to talk about. But yes, we... Uh, we, we are going to do two episodes. We're going to record two of them right now. And what that means is that uh, if you're listening live, you're going to get double the glee. But if you're listening in the recording, you're just going to hear an episode that's going to come out like on Sunday. And then you're going to hear another episode next week. And next week, you're going to be like, why do they sound so tired? <laughs> and it's going to be because we just recorded a second episode. It's uh, a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we're better than some podcasts. There are some podcasts I listen to that do literally eight episodes in a sitting, so they only meet every two months. Ooh. So, and you can just hear them decline. Yeah, I, I over well, time. no, you just you just you could tell by the references that they're pulling that that it happened. Like they'll make the same type of joke multiple times over. over oh, those okay, two months. <laughs> got it. Like, 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 yeah, they're getting more tired, but I mean. The biggest thing is, like, we've already heard this innuendo, like, a month and a half ago. <laughs> uh, and they, okay, got it. Well, you don't have that, you don't have to worry about that, because we are not clever enough to use innuendos. So. Okay, good. <laughs> wow. If you're watching live, you're seeing Jennifer I was give trying me to these think, looks. I was trying to think of a, a, um, a current reference that I could use to, uh. Just uh, disagree with you, but uh, <laughs> you can turn my mic back down now. Okay. What? No. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so we're here to talk about Puppet Master. It's a couple weeks old now. We just watched it. Jennifer and I just watched it again. I've seen it a couple times now. Um, and uh, we're going to go around the circle, as we always do, and ask everyone, what did you think? Jennifer, what was your temperature on Puppet Master? Yeah, I, I thought it was okay. Um, I felt... Like as far as themes that, uh, as far as shows that have like a real defined theme, it, it got a little muddied. I mean, there were some really fun moments, and of course, anytime a Muppet's on the screen, it's it's a good day. Yes, but it just I, I wish there were so many things that I wish that they had just stayed focused on or continued with through with the other cast members. Um, but all in all, I think it was okay, and I did I did love this performance, and I I. As I was watching it again today, I had that thought of like, oh, remember that time we made fun of Blaine for singing Queen? I'm like, you know what? But this song works for him. Like this, this one, one is perfect for his for his range and his voice. So I totally I agree. really enjoyed it a lot. I think this is the best song of the episode. I totally agree. Yeah, it was it was um this one worked very well. It, it was just when it was uh, Don't Stop Me Now that he kind of drowned it in. Yeah, but that's just such a crazy song. I mean, yeah. Oh, totally. No, that was like. Freddie just going like, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> uh, Ed, what'd you think of Puppet Master? Okay, well, I came into the episode with, like, literally no expectations. I was like, this, like, this is, if if a episode screen filler, then it was Puppet Master. But then I got <laughs> there, then I showed up at Puppet Master, and I was 
blown away. I was like, this, like, this is awesome. Like, I thought the songs were good. I thought that the, like, the dream sequences were perfect. I thought showing some some real flaw to Blaine's character for the first time in, I truly believe, ever. Like, I was just blown away. I was like, this, this is, like, if the, every filler episode was this good, season three <laughs> wouldn't have happened. Season three wouldn't have happened. And then, just as I'm, like, starting to hate on Marley and kick her out of the par- uh, Pantheon, I was like, you know... Marley, you're you're okay. <laughs> you're you're okay. You're so okay. the Marley syndrome is subsiding. The Marley well, it's, syndrome. It's 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 deflecting. Whoa. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Ed. Right. And <laughs> we just went on this wild ride with you. <laughs> Ed's wild ride. <laughs> um, you know, I I agree with uh, I agree with Ed in large part. Actually, I really liked the crap out of out of Puppet Master. I agree; it was a total filler episode. Um, it was it it doesn't hundred percent work. Like when we watched back to it, I'm like, man, it, it doesn't work all the way through. But I, I really liked most of the songs, um, and it was just kind of that classic irreverence that glee used to have like we i i I think i said that i said this in the last couple episodes where i really like when glee in the old days it didn't really give a crap like it liked to kind of dangle its toes over the edge of being insensitive being offensive but never quite dive all the way in and i and that's what i liked about it 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 gave it the ability to swing back and be really sweet at the same time mm-hmm. and puppet master like even though there's no way blaine made all those puppets and it kills me <laughs> to even consider the fact that he made like 15 puppets and personally i do think and we'll get to this but to jump ahead uh, i think that the fox is possibly the dumbest number they've done <laughs> like i was so stupid but there was so much good stuff in yeah. in Puppet Master that I really enjoyed the crap out of it. So well, I, I agree. I think, I think it was a good ep- one. This episode and the Christmas episode together, like watch because I watched them back to back when I watched it. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Is like Glee doesn't give an f." It's exactly. gonna go to season six, and they're like, "We don't, we don't like." If you're gonna watch the show, you're gonna play by our rules. We're sick of playing <laughs> by your rules, so. Welcome to Gleeland. Grab a unicorn helmet and let's go. <laughs> I I agree. I, I and that's what and we'll get to uh we'll get to the Christmas episode, but but yeah, it was I, I dug Puppet Master. But let's talk a little bit about Puppet Master. So uh the, the we did get a big Muppet moment uh where Blaine started seeing Muppets throughout the episode, which I love that they pointed out first he's only seeing them in the choir room and then he just starts seeing them everywhere. And he was kind of slowly going insane. <laughs> like it was very But he acknowledges odd. that. He he acknowledges the fact that he might possibly be going insane. So and- that was kind of <laughs> Funny. And his whole insanity is based on people telling him that he's as awesome as he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, we had Muppets. It was kind of funny because I feel like it was just the producers essentially saying, hey, we should do a Muppet episode. Figure out how to make that work. And then somebody wrote it. Um, but Glee is a control freak. I mean, Ed, you make a good point. This is the first real flaw, flaw that we've seen in Blaine's character. Um, did it work for you, Blaine being a control freak that is kind of yeah, like ostracizing it, 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 it actually makes sense. Like it makes sense with everything up to this moment because he's so he's so perfect in so many ways that like it's like it's finally unraveled. It's like yeah. it, it was a big payoff that felt justified, and that's that's I think why I really liked it. Well, I mean, Annette, I was totally thinking of you when I was watching it because. You know, when you had said before, when uh, Blaine proposed to Kurt, you didn't feel that Kurt was really had his heart in it and that it was just all this manipulation on Blaine's part and, you know, creating this this whole scenario and kind of forcing him into saying yes. And and that really came true. That, like, that really came to mind when I was watching it again. I didn't even realize how right I was, but thank you, Jen. Okay. <laughs> Here for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the whole bl- the whole Blaine plotline in this was kind of funny. It gets it it there's also the whole thing about him kind of letting down Kurt. So we also have Kurt and his band Pamela Lansbury uh, doing their Apocalypse first gig. Six is still the superior name. 
Oh, Apocalyptics is worldly better. I, I feel like Pamela Lansbury was only made up so that they could do also the joke in this episode where the only person who came to their concert thought it was an Angela Lansbury performance. But I love the Into the Groove number. I was like, this is stupid. I was like, never mind. It's awesome. It was <laughs> fun. It was totally fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't. And, it, and I liked the way that they did it when it was kind of like it wasn't really a number that they did, but it was just, you know, Kurt's vision or Kurt's fantasy of how the night was going to play out. Yeah, because that didn't happen. You know? Yeah, exactly. They actually played to an empty, room, and it's the only you, way that could have worked in real life. Yeah, and uh, it was fun, but the, but because of that, they could be happy and fun ex- and successful at the same time. True. Yeah, they kind of got to have their cake and eat it too in that yeah. one. Um, but it, it, just to go back to Blaine a little bit, we did have Blaine calling Kurt, and this was kind of an interesting side of Blaine and Kurt's relationship. We don't have any hardcore cleaners on the show. I know that there's lots of our listeners are hardcore cleaners. Um, but one of the interesting aspects of Kurt's and Blaine's relationship, I think you've said in the past, Ed, is that they don't really seem like equal partners in this relationship. And yet in this way, it was kind of, Blaine being the control freak where in the past it seems kind of like Kurt is being the control freak uh I don't know what did how did that work for you I don't don't know I don't I don't know about control freak but Kurt does play the victim side of things even when it isn't warranted oh yeah I think he (laughs) totally reacted in this whole situation I mean his friend his his fiance his fiance is in high school and yeah. he doesn't ask what happened that you got grounded or what happened that you, you know, is everything okay? It was like, you're not here for me when I need you, even though I live 600 miles away. Yeah, and you were here it's last weekend. So re- it's so unrealistic. And I, book- I booked a gig three minutes ago, which I now expect you to be here on Friday. Yeah, I, I was annoyed with Kurt's reaction. I mean, it, this is, it isn't. I'm torn if this was a worse complaint verse when Brody was like 45 minutes late for Rachel's dinner and she threw it out. I'm oh like, my god. Which one was the worst complaint? <laughs> and she made a salad. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fine. She was like... Yeah, I mean, like all that stuff could have gone right back in the fridge. <laughs> it was a total waste of food. It was very irresponsible. I love how much logic we're trying to apply to that. I mean, she could have put the salad back in the fridge. It, yeah. it would have been it would have been colder. Everyone prefers cold salad. Uh, so. I know. I know. I, oh, God. Brody was too good for her. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. You just dropped the bomb of the season. Ed says Brody was too good for Rachel. Brody, the man whore, the literal man whore, like the by definition man whore, who picked her up on the first day of school, where the teacher, where 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 Cassidy July, right? Was that her name? Yeah, where, Durant, oh, where is January, Cassidy? Is she dead? July, holiday, is, holiday. Is it, no, no, holiday was the other one. Yeah. Anyway, Kate Hudson Big, <laughs> acknowledging that he digs bigger. on younger ladies in this way. But he is somehow better, too good for Rachel. <laughs> well, it's going to be ridiculous like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a vegetarian meal. I mean, I'm sure. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> uh, speaking of Nyata, has has Nyata literally vanished? Like, literally vanished? Oh, seriously. She, she, she apparently has Nyata. She also had to uh, cancel a, vo- a, a voice, no, an accent training uh for dialect coach she had to cancel her dialect coach so she could attend a meeting where kurt tells them they have a gig which he could have told them on a text for god's sake like like, this is not ed where are you going now Uh Uh uh-oh (laughs) uh-oh you gotta stop moving you're like you're you're losing your wi-fi every time you move (laughs) i i just had i have to well i was uncomfortable so i did okay Okay, well, I'll yeah. stop moving. This is this is the new final position. Okay. <laughs> well, let's let let's just kind of wrap up the Blaine conversation. Uh, so eventually, uh, Blaine creates a Muppet of Kurt, and I love the split screen where Blaine oh. is talking to Kurt. I mean, to Darren Chris's credit, he does look like a bit of a Muppet maniac. Obviously, he's a Disney fanatic, which he has proven again and again. Um, but uh, as a person. But he does definitely has some Muppet love in him. And as someone who has some mad Muppet love in him, I don't think you can see my Kermit right now because he's over there. Uh-huh. But as a, as a man with some mad Muppet love, uh, that was pretty awesome. And he had some solid skills with the puppet.
puppet. Like his ability, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing his thing. He had some solid skills with the puppet, so he gets big points for that. And obviously, he's very crafty with felt, foam, and yarn. <laughs> he apparently could make ten or twelve of them in like a day. And an afternoon. Y- well, okay, the, the, the scene, in, the scene in the knitting room was awesome. Like, what oh did, my god, what did what did the stoner Brett ask to? Uh, he said, "Can I do like- decoupage? Can I explore decoupage?" <laughs> as he's Epic. as he's. Because he's knitting a, a cozy for his bong. Hilarious. Yes. That was uh, very cute. Oh, and Blaine had that other good line where he said, I would, I also would have been prom king if there weren't so many stoners at this school, which is a part of Lima that we did not know, oh. apparently. It's never been Apparently, Lima before. Heights no! is a bad what do you mean? neighborhood. The first episode of Glee had Finn with Pod in his blocker. But that wasn't his. It was planted. Yeah, that was planted. Oh, from the... Yeah, but, but- teacher but who Sandy, got it from another teacher <laughs> but sandy was selling it oh so, that's right sandy that's sandy was the new hookup at mckinley oh. so so don't deny that there are roots there are roots that actually <laughs> i know i know very commonly glee just throws things out there but that was one tiny point that was actually alluded to if nothing else well the thing is they do surprise us sometimes with their ability to have continuity <laughs> this was like one of those times that we were like <laughs> it's all coming back it's been there forever we were just too blind to see it like uh, real drug abuse oh to mladen <laughs> who's listening on youtube mladen if you uh uh there i put a link on twitter which is the the uh google hangout chat can you just put it in that feed and respond to it? oh maybe i'll maybe i'll for him i apologize i don't know yes it's him okay him Uh, (laughs) anyway um so yes uh it also gave us the great line of if i see your hand up the butt of anything that isn't human you're going to detention (laughs) that was pretty funny there were there were some great moments with sue and blaine sue has felt the most i don't know i i I must give credit to Becky Jackson's character. Like, like Sue has felt the most like grounded and stable and consistent that she has in a long while, in my mind, anyways. And you think like, that's because of Becky? It's between Becky focus. and Principal Figgins. It's like, and between like like all these factors, is like, oh, like she actually kind of makes sense again. <laughs> well, in her quest to be the best principal ever, and to be fully instated as principal. But mm-hmm. she is a mother, right? She didn't yeah, have a baby last season. Yeah, she does have a child that we never okay. mention. And she also, in this episode, mentions that she married herself, but uh, she doesn't, doesn't think, think it's it legal. Official. Oh, that was um, funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Becky, Becky's kind of been an interesting character in this episode and in the Christmas episode. The last couple, honestly, I mean, the, a character that I never thought we'd see as much of as we have. Uh, Becky has really kind of... The the kind of hypersexualized nature, the anger, mm-hmm. um, it it kind of does dance between a joke and where they're trying to use it as an actual character trait. And this one, it kind of went back and forth. And the Christmas one, I think they went way too far. But um, but in this one, they kind of dance back and forth. I mean, there were times where she would be kind of sweet with you know when she tells um, when she tells Coach Sylvester to girl it up a bit. Mm-hmm. was kind of sweet but then later when she's in detention because she can't stop cussing uh, it, it seemed mm-hmm. a little too much well yeah okay and i keep forgetting that okay so that's the puppet master one so it's not the flashback from last christmas when she still had a lot of anger and fear about moving on like she was still yeah. afraid and and she was afraid and that's she brought the and that might have been around the time she brought the gun into school like yeah, that was year. so. That was oh, interesting. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to talk about the Christmas episode too much, but I do want to no. throw out a line that that doing these like random flashback episodes for Glee worked really well, and I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it again. Well, let's we'll save that for next time. Uh, but let's um okay. But okay. let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Sue because we kind of kicked off a Sue conversation there. Uh, Sue also sat down next to the uh, the open gas leak, which is Jennifer was like, "That's a little more than a leak. That's yeah. a straight up." Yeah, when the hose <laughs> is completely detached, it's not a leak. That that's how they blew up the hospital in Halloween too. Like that's some hardcore gas uh, released into the room. Four listeners got that joke. 
Uh, let's take a listen to Cheek to Cheek. This is Jane Lynch performing with Matthew Morrison uh, here on the Gleeful Podcast. I'm in heaven and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak and I seem to find the happiness I seek when we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. I'm in heaven And the cares that hung around me through the week Seem to vanish like a gambler's lucky streak When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Oh, I love to climb a mountain And to reach the highest peak But it doesn't thrill me half as much as dancing cheek to cheek. Oh, I love to go. So that was Cheek to Cheek, and in this episode, uh, we had the continuing story of Sue Sylvester attempting to take charge of the school to become permanent principal. And she also has a crush on the head of the school board, uh, who I like to call Benneke. She has (laughs) a crush on Mr. Benneke, Bill Benneke. Breaking bad. <laughs> and uh, and he is the head of the school board, and he thinks she a, she's a dude. Now, Jennifer, how far into this plot line did you still think it was a joke? <laughs> I'm still not con. I I, uh, I don't really think he thought he she was a real guy. Like I think she just thought I I don't think that he literally thought that she was a male. I do think that he thought that she was just one of the guys, you know. See, I, it was it was kind of a weird setup. Uh, he he reinforced it twice, though. He says, uh, "You know, I don't see why there'd be anything wrong with me having a couple uh, drinks with the guys." And yeah. she goes, "Ah." And then he says again. Um, he says, "Well, yeah, you know, just a couple trying to get some dudes hanging out." Like that was kind of. Yeah. There was a moment where I was like, "Do you think she's a man and you are a homosexual?" Like there was something yeah. kind of aggressive about his angle on that one. I also, I mean, her name is Sue, and he's met her multiple times before. And, and I don't, I don't know what Jane Lynch is feeling as when she gets a script and and is like they. Have someone See, who thinks I'm a man. That's how. I, that's why I don't think that he really believes that she's a man. I mean, okay, fine. She's wearing a tracksuit. She's wearing pants. She still has breasts. I mean, you can still see breasts <laughs> in a sweatshirt. True. So I don't think it was that. I think it was just the idea of her identity, and I think that was really neat that she ended up going to Unique for that, for help with that. That was a sweet moment because yeah. you know if anybody would understand. You know, confusion, you know, whether on their own part or other people's part of who they are. I think that, you know, it was really sweet of, and it was sweet of Unique to be so willing to help out. Um, But yeah, so, but I really, I don't believe he really thought she was a male. I think it was just the perception of, you know, a buddy. Oh, do you think? Yeah, Ed, what do you think? Do you think he genuinely thought that she was a man, or do you think that it was kind of him portraying her as a man because he didn't have any attraction? So I I think it was a lack of attraction. A and then B, it's like, like set, like we we define sex so like starkly in in when when we talk about it, but truly when you when you interact with someone you. You, I think, anyways, more in terms of like feminine energy and masculine energy, and like not so much what they actually are. So <laughs> I could, so I could imagine that that Sue was emitting masculine energy, and then he like, without like, like like so so little of what we take in the world is really what we see. It's what we feel. So so I mean, okay. So you think that. He never really, he, he just, he sensed the presence of a male energy, so he just Stop thought it. she was one of the guys. And yes, okay. Hmm. And I and I get <clears throat> that. I mean, that, I think, is more, and, 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 and more in line with what I'm thinking. Yeah. They wanted unique to be, like, they wanted this unique Sue Sylvester moment, a la mm-hmm. what they tried to do with Sue and Mercedes at one point. 
but never oh, it never wow. entirely happened. <laughs> I yeah. I do recall something sort of similar in the Madonna episode of Mercedes. Oh yeah, they totally they totally yeah, vagued totally, her yeah. up and vogued, vagued. <laughs> they totally <laughs> they, vagued. They vagued. Her up. <laughs> She's so vague. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. I I think they're both valid interpretations. Honestly, I think both of you have better interpretations than Glee. Uh, that Bill Banneke straight up thought that she was a dude. That said, and, and listener Danny in the in the scares me. Excuse me, uh, listener Danny on the Google Hangout page or Google event page uh, said Sue being a man equals the stupidest storyline ever. I agree that on paper, someone thinking Sue is a dude is the stupidest play storyline ever on the other hand for some reason i didn't hate it like absurd as absurd as it was it was more about sue being vulnerable enough to pursue something that she wants and then being denied it because of you know the essence of her as a person that thinks that she cannot change you know she it's not that he said i don't want to go out with you uh, Ted Benicky, thank you. Uh, Ted. It was bugging me. I knew it wasn't Bill, but I couldn't remember. Uh, it's not. It's it. So so to me, the plot line of Sue being like, I want this man, but I and so I'm going to attempt to change myself, and that's still not going to be enough because I am who I am, is still an interesting enough storyline that. Uh, the fact that he thought Sue is a man, which seems totally absurd, it, it kind of made it okay in a way. I thought the whole thing was neat. I mean, yeah, the connection with Unique I really enjoyed. Um, it was kind of funny that she is like, hey, can we get that drink now in front of everyone? Yeah. <laughs> like, it isn't like, hey, Ted, could you come this way? Uh, I do like she, that she made fun of his hairline. Um, but yeah. She's suspicious <laughs> it was, of it. It was so that aspect of it was a little awkward, but in the end, I actually didn't dislike the storyline. I thought it was old school, heightened reality glee. It was irreverent and weird and different, but everyone was so committed to it that I took the train. I was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't dislike it. It's just I kind of feel bad. Like I feel like we've been through this before with Sue, and even to the point where Sue. Well, in this time in a fantasy, but Sue seeking out help from Will in, you know, dancing or being more appealing to another guy. Mm. It happened, you know, when he was it the swing dance episode. <clears throat> yeah. When she wanted to get uh, the guy at the the announcer, the br- broadcaster, the broadcaster. Yeah. yeah. The anchor at the station. Yeah. I keep confusing him with the anchor at the station on How I Met Your Mother. Uh, uh, but yes, yeah, so when she wanted to get the yeah. anchor at the station and, uh, and mean, it, changed herself there as well. I mean, and it's always interesting to see what's what struggles other characters are having. And, you know, this is something that's been a reoccurring thing with Sue. You know, she's looking for somebody and, you know, to the point where she, you know, thought there was no option so she married herself but mm. but I, I don't think it was legal i don't think <laughs> it was either. uh well let's uh let's take a list uh or let's stay in lima for one more plot line and we'll talk a little bit about the continuing saga of jake and marley and brie charlie jacob marley jacob marley I always think of Jacob Marley when I hear Jake and Marley. Uh, they performed rattle chains. <laughs> they performed a mashup of Nasty and Rhythm Nation, which was amazing. Which was fierce. Which was fierce, <laughs> uh, and I dug it. So here's a bit of Nasty and. They Rhythm need to Nation. do more of these music video remakes. I forgot how awesome they are. <laughs> this was a good one. Well, let's take a listen, Jacob Artist, on the uh, Gleeful Podcast. Change. 
Uh, so that is a mashup of Nasty and Rhythm Nation. We were about to go into the Rhythm Nation there when I faded it out. It also includes the greatest lyric ever written, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. That's right. Uh, Jennifer, you, you must have you shouted that one in the club at least once. <laughs> Hands in the air. What, what? Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Perhaps. <laughs> um... So yes, that's a mashup of Nasty Music Animation. You're right, Ed. Recreations of classic music videos. They haven't done that in a while. And that was fantastic in this one. It was super fun to have that come back in like a big dream fantasy sequence. Uh, totally dug that. Uh, also, it's worth mentioning that Janet Jackson in the late 80s, early 90s was freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And totally forgotten. Uh, but uh, yes, so Jake, got, uh, apparently Bree thought she was pregnant. And for 40, for <laughs> about 36 96 minutes, hours, Bree thought she was pregnant, pregnant. Which, uh, you know, could be scary. I'm sure. And Jake, uh, continuing to be a uh, pretty lousy dude, kind of in, in going into flowers, being a pretty lousy dude. Uh, Ed, as a long-term defender of the 2.0s, how did you feel about our 2.0 episode this week or 2.0 storyline this week? I thought it was like solid. Like I was like, Gosh darn it! I just gave up on caring, and now he's <laughs> bringing you back. <laughs> bringing me back, and I like it's like it's like that it's like that guy who you just gave up on, and then just as you're giving up, they message you out of the blue. You're like, really? Yeah. really? They have a sense. Really? They have a sense they that do. they lost your interest, so now they're gonna try again. That's the, I was talking to Julia about this. She's like, they the guys know. They always know when you're they giving do. up on them. I they swear. always know. See, I would say that about. Every woman I met before I got married. So I don't know what you're talking about. I was literally. No, I just don't try. There was this girl I pursued for like two years in college. And then she stopped calling for months and months and months. And then I started dating another girl. And as I'm walking out the door on my first date with this other girl, the old girl who hasn't, I haven't talked to in years, just calls. It was like a magic trick. It was like a magical magic trick. They just Somehow know. She knew. Oh, yeah. That's weird. So, so, but apparently we do it too. I did not know that we had that ability. Uh, yeah. Apparently I'm just know. not tuned into that. I'd never had that. You ability. know how many, <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this. You make fun of it. Oh, well, you, well, all of your old. Yeah. That they're My on ex- Facebook and being like, what's going on? No. How are we doing? Not on Facebook. It's going to a job. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's not true. Well, that's hilarious. No, I do Ed. get random. Yeah, but, but, Jar- but Charlie. People popping back I up. Was- I genuinely was like interested again. I was like, really? I thought we, I thought we gave up on this. I thought I gave up on this. I thought Jarley was dead. And now, <laughs> and then Rhythm Nation happened. I was like, Angry well, Marley is interesting. I think that's a- it. A- that's Angry what Marley it is. is a- she's a- interesting. Marley having an actual point. She had a Feeling. point. She had feelings. Conviction. She was angry. There was conflict involved, yeah. and we cared about Marley. And I will say the reason I didn't this care. is also. The reason that this plot line worked, though, is it actually had very little to do with Marley. It was actually about Jake. This was all about Jake coming to terms with the fact that if he continues to be a horrible person, he is always going to have situations like this. And and here was the one person who kind of made him better and made him good, and he let it go. And I, act, I agree, Ed. I mean, to me, this was one of the most solid 2.0 storylines we've ever had in the series, um, which is not even saying much, but it's still incredibly solid. <laughs> And uh, and it is. I think it's because, yeah, there was like something real happened. And it was really like Jake having to confront the fact that if he continues living the way he's living, this is going to be his life. And the little window of happiness he had before this, he ruined. And now he's going to try to get it back. Yeah. I, I thought this was really, I, I thought it was fantastic. My big problem with this plot line was Bree um, going from like zero Brie going from like, hey, it's totally cool, baby, whatever you want to do, to are you banging all of them? And his line, yes. <laughs> or no, it was her too. And his line, yes, all of them. was That was gold on a paper. Like like somebody's, somebody's fingers kind of shimmered when they typed that one up. That response was fantastic. But that was the big shocker to me is I thought Brie coming way out of left field going from zero to 60 so quick seemed strange. Yeah, I mean, she was always kind of, you know, this cold hard bitch who just, you know, wanted cold hearted to- snake. She's a cold hearted snake. Oh, 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 oh. Look into his eyes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
She's been terribly nice. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's a lover boy at play. <laughs> she didn't play Isn't she? Role. She didn't play by rules. Play by the rules. Yeah, sorry. Play by rules. Uh, but yes. No, I mean, she, all along, she'd always been this persona and... She was using sex to, uh, you know, destroy the Glee Club by breaking up Jake and Marley. And, and, and yeah, okay, maybe she got feelings or something, but it just seems so out of character for her. Yeah, that was the one thing. If, if it kind of started with her being like, hey, baby, it's all cool. And then she goes crazy, you know, over the course of the episode. And then we find out it's because, not crazy. I'm not saying that she goes crazy. Um, but uh, uh, but if, if she got more and more te- intense and angry and then we find out it's because she A thinks she's pregnant. A little fatal attraction, yeah. And so on. And then it becomes, yeah, but it's, the fact that she started at the beginning of the episode so angry was what mm. kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But once it all came to pass... Like, once it all started to happen, I mean, their showdown in the hallway where she's like, this is your life and this is who you're always going to be. It was really cool. I really thought that was a neat moment. Um, it was very honest. It was impressive. It was very, um, you know, a nice observation from somebody you wouldn't expect. And I liked the the moment at the end, you know, the second showdown in the hallway. A lot of hallway time in this episode. Uh, the second showdown <laughs> hey. in the hallway with Charlie. Where Jacob was like, I messed it up. I want to make it work. She's like, nope. We tried. Didn't happen. Mm. Watch my knee socks walk away. That was, you know, that was kind of the end of Charlie. I liked it. I was impressed by this two-point episode. This two-point episode, honestly, was something uh, worth paying attention to. And it gave us a pretty cool number. Oh, yeah. Uh, though there is one crazy, weird, awkward moment in the number. I showed it to Jennifer. <laughs> when they're doing <laughs> the Rhythm Nation part, right? So uh, maybe I'll like screen cap it or something or somebody, if you're listening, screen cap it um, when they're doing the rhythm nation part and they cut back to the, all the, all the actors, all the other people were behind that fence. You all remember the, all the other like students, watching? Yeah. yeah. All the other students, they're all behind the fence and it would always be like either Brie or Marley and then everybody behind them. But the director didn't really tell any of them where to look or what their reaction was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So lots of times you'll see somebody like kind of grooving into, it but not really sure if they're supposed to be grooving into it or you'll see somebody kind of like looking awkwardly around there's a moment where Bree is like hanging is it Marley? <laughs> Marley Marley's like hanging on the on the fence and you can see Blaine behind her and he has this kind of look of like I don't know what I'm doing here it's the greatest moment of the whole it's, thing it's like fear and delight mixed together and confusion and yeah Je- Jennifer's like I think he's pleasuring himself but he doesn't feel good about it <laughs> like he just has this look of confusion <laughs> and guilt <laughs> just and like right off to the side like, and there's another uh, one with Artie just kind of sitting there being like I don't know if this is awesome or not no one told me how to react that's <laughs> pretty good um, but yeah that was a fun number the other <laughs> the really weird part that number though is when they're still in the hallway and um jake has the girls dancing around him which where like heather morris i wanted her in that number so bad like that it just needed her energy Hmm. in the in the dancers but uh he's like dancing or looking at marley and then marley does his like boob rub do you remember this? She's like, eh, trying to be like sexy. And it just does not look right at all. Like, <laughs> like she's awkward touching even her own body. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, ah, oh, this is weird. Like, <laughs> bad touch, bad touch. Um, and then, of course, at the end of it, where Jake goes to her and he says, you made it better. You fixed me. And she's like, we tried it. I, but I need you. And you looked over and said, they should start a Kickstarter to do a movie about this plot. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Which is pretty much what uh what blake? she and blake are doing blake, is that his name blake yes like writer on the tv show writer wasn't there he wasn't Writer, Mom. he was around he just wasn't he was oh. like just around yeah but uh you know we we've now gotten everyone everyone was i don't want to say on the fence about santana but santana really became the santana that really gained the obsession that she gained you know from fans uh Fans really popped up around Santana when we started to get these moments of vulnerability about her and kind of weakness. And so, Jennifer, do you think this means that Brie is going to be around for a while? You think we're going to have some Brie time or or, or do you think she's going to go the way of the you know what? women on the show? I think I'm kind of tired of these, you know, reformed, nasty Cheerios. 
It's like, you know, Quinn, Santana, Kitty, now Brie. Like, just just let Brie be a bitch. Mm. Let her let her own it. Let her live I, it. I, let it. I think Jen might be right about this one because at the end of the Rhythm Nation number, I just, I felt Brie giving up. I was hmm. like, and I was like, oh, well then, I guess... I guess we'll have to find someone else to fill out our yeah. twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we all know Breeze in the Glee Club by the by National. No, I don't, no think, I don't think so. I don't. I thought so, but now I don't think so. I think they're gonna pull in Stoner Brett. I think they're gonna pull in <laughs> Becky Jackson. Oh, I want to see Stoner Brett in the Glee Club so bad. <laughs> I think. I think. I think we're going. Like we're gonna get people who who've been around. But neck like brace, not neck brace Cheerio. Yeah. Why? So Jennifer pointed this out. Neck brace. People have, yeah. Neck brace Cheerio is in the background at least once an episode. Usually multiple times. She's just walking by. There's nobody else that I recognize that's just hanging out. But neck brace Cheerio is always there somewhere. I'm waiting. You know what? I'm waiting for the time that we catch them like jump to another scene and she's in the background again and it's not possible like like she's gonna be in the background in new york or something in the halls in the halls of niata oh wait no they don't actually go to school that would be oh yeah that's true they never go to niata niata is now like a correspondence course no she could be at a table at uh at spotlight in like Ah, a background table there you go Ordering food (laughs) in our our Cheerio outfit, of course. No, it'd be awesome if they ordered Chinese in in Bushwick and she delivered the Chinese. (laughs) Yeah, that's awkward. Um, Yeah, do we know you from somewhere? I don't have money for a tip, and they just shut the door. Um, but yeah, so so uh, the 2.0s, I thought they were solid. Uh, but I suppose it's time to take the long journey to New York, which apparently you only Wait. need a... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, did sorry. I forget something? Th- there was one other thing that happened. And maybe this was part of the illusion. No. No, he wasn't high yet. Um, Brad spoke. Brad spoke. Oh my god, I totally forgot that Brad spoke. And boy, did his voice not sound at all like I thought his voice would sound. No, <laughs> this, he... isn't the, this isn't the first time he spoke on the show, though. Yeah, but I don't remember it. His voice sounding like it was coming from another room before. <laughs> like it sounded like a different person. He sounded a little Muppet-like, actually. Oh, that's a good point. So maybe it was like a prelude to <laughs> Blaine's fantasy. I just, I just <laughs> loved how self-obsessed Blaine was at that moment. Oh my he was god. Like, it was just so was unfair, good. I was like yeah. dying. How great. I loved I I loved his uh yeah, he's like, I have a problem. He's like, Brad, tell me before you're gonna say something. Which I thought was like, how else would he tell you? <laughs> <laughs> like, tell me before you're gonna speak. Oh, uh, that was that was fantastic. I did love him. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes. uh, I apparently he's addicted to online gambling blackjack oh yes <laughs> and he owes thousands of dollars to some very scary people <laughs> and his house is being foreclosed on amazing hey brad we live around the corner you can come crash with us here that's true he totally can yeah well, brad if you're listening i'm sure you are <laughs> um, right. I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> We're, we should do that. Uh, all right, let's take uh, the trip to New York, and we will do a little bit of Pamela Lansbury. This is Into the Groove, as performed by Pamela Lansbury. I'm going to keep calling them that until they <laughs> dissolve the band. But they don't end anything on Glee. They just forget to mention it again. So here is Into the Groove, performed by Pamela Lansbury on the Glee Podcast. I'm
I'm sorry, I don't get it. What does oh, it mean? Oh, Donna Martin graduates? Who's Donna Martin? Oh, you didn't watch 90210. No. Oh, Donna. 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 Donna, Donna Martin. Yes. <laughs> Good pull, Typo. <laughs> typo says, neck brace girl can become the new Where's Waldo. <laughs> Of course, if you were a kid, there were lots of t- TV shows like He-Man, where there was a character who would hide in the background at, during the episode, and you would have to find him. And then at the very end, he would come back and say, hey, do you rem- did you find me? And he would show you where he was in the episode. There were a couple of shows that did this when I was a kid. When you um, like draw with a Sharpie on your TV, you're right here. <laughs> it's right there. Uh, so my question for you, Jennifer, as we listen to Into the Groove, the uh, 80s club hit by Madonna from, I don't know, or days of yore. 83. Uh, my question to you is, did you have fishnet gloves and do you still have them to wear around the house? <laughs> I wear them to do dishes all the time. Did you oh, notice? So yes. Not. Absolutely. Do you still have a wedding dress corset with a little tutu? <laughs> My little boy toy belt. <laughs> and can you wear it around the house? Uh, so, yes, apparently Pamela Lansbury is a cover band now. Like, this really bugged me. So, the plot line, Pamela Lansbury, it's their first gig. And they're going to do it at, uh, uh, at oh, what's the what was the bar called? I'm sorry. I don't remember. But it's the bar that. It's not the spotlight, but it sounds like another yes. Broadway bar. Um Callbacks. They're going to do it at Callbacks. 85. And, callbacks, uh, you're right. So, so they're going to perform their first gig at Callbacks, and uh, they're going to perform their all Madonna cover songs, early Madonna specifically. Now, my problem with this is I thought they were starting a band. Like, I thought the whole thing is that they, like, I keep seeing Kurt wanting to, to be Roxy Music, and yet they're going to do like a Madonna cover band. I, I don't get that at all. I find it really strange. Uh, anybody? Did anybody? Did that jump out at anyone, or else does it just seem like? Well, didn't, he said it was a Madonna cover band originally. Yeah, did he? and then Before he changed that, his mind, was... and then he went back. So. All right, so maybe maybe it's just me, but yeah. So they were they did a big into the groove number. Jennifer, what did you think of their uh, neon clothed it into the groove number? Totally fun. It was fun. It was it was again, as we mentioned in the beginning. I liked that. This wasn't the actual performance, but it was just, you know, Kurt's vision for how it should go. And and it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and Ed, uh, have you ever considered starting a Madonna cover band? Um, no, but <laughs> would you call it Blonde Ambition? Would you call it? That would, that, that would be a better title. Justify my love. A, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I I haven't really thought about this. Like, Ed Dotica is coming to mind, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if he would get it. They wouldn't get it. They'd be like, I don't get it. I would want to. I would want to name my Madonna cover band after a really obscure Madonna song that no one remembers. Like, call it like Human Nature, or something. It's all about, like, it's all about burning, burning up. Burning up is my fave Madonna song. The, they could do another Madonna episode. Like they did two oh, yes. Britney episodes. They could do another Madonna. Episode. I mean, I'm sure, but they they could do one dedicated to Confessions on a Dance Floor. No, no, that would that why would not? Be a horrible idea. Are you joking yeah. right now? <laughs> Sorry, hung up. What, oh, what, do, you, what do you want? Hey, oh, oh, <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> horrible. Um, it so yes, we we had the first gig of Pamela Lansbury, and no one showed up. Uh, to their first gig. Um, it, I have such a hard time with this band. Like, I just... This is this plot line to me... I, it's just an excuse for the four of them... Or the five of them to sing together. That's the whole point. I, but I just they feel like there's other excuses <laughs> they could have. <laughs> there's no reason for this band to exist at all. So they could afford their Bushwick lifestyle. They're, they're not going to make any money at this band. Who is paying them? They're, they're going to be opening up for nobodies for for five years before anyone starts to care. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about Pamela Lansbury. Jennifer, save me. How do you feel about it? I don't. I can't. I, well, like when you said, um, you know, oh, they're a Madonna cover band now or again. I gave up on the, you know, trying to make sense of or, or get behind the plausibility or reasoning or believability of this entire thing faster than <laughs> I gave up on the 2.0. So... It's, it, 
I have no conflict because I don't care. Now, I mean, it, but this, I enjoy this the, the fun. If this is how we have to keep Demi Lovato and Adam Lambert on the show, I am willing to go to a Pamela Lansbury like discussion every episode. If this is <laughs> if this is what we have to do to keep them, I accept it. But Demi Lovato got one line in this episode, maybe two tops. And during the number, during the end of the groove number, she's on the stage the whole time. Like she was out of, she wasn't in the four performers. She was hidden in the back. Like I, I found that kind of depressing. Well, yeah, but I mean, if she's like a member of the band, quote unquote, this band they have, which is a band in as much as one direction is a band there, there, she needs to be up front. Technically. She needs to be up front. I feel like she needs to be like in the group. She, it's I weird. mean, she, she, well, when when we catch up with real life Demi, like post blue hair Demi, I expect uh, good things. I like the blue hair. It looks pretty on her. Wait, what, what does I that think, mean? Well, like she, well, because okay, on X Factor, Kelly Rowland has dark hair and Paulina Rubio has blonde hair. So for some reason, Demi felt this need to be like not darker blonde even though they're completely acceptable so she went blue <laughs> so she was like I guess, I guess she was concerned that she somehow could be mixed up with the other two which I don't know how because they're quite different people quite different ages quite different ethnicities but you know she just didn't want to be the other blonde one or something but so you're saying that at some point her hair is going to go to a natural color because... Well, no. Her, at some point, her at some point on the show, if she's still filming with Glee, her ah. hair is going to be blue, and that's going to be a plot line that could be like, I just don't feel like I'm getting enough attention in the band. Something, something. Oh. <laughs> or maybe, maybe not. You know what? Maybe, maybe that was written into the show, and that's why she has blue hair in real life. Ooh. Oh yeah. Maybe Danny has blue hair and. Demi. Demi is suffering the, <laughs> suffering the consequences. There you go. Actually, hey. Oh my god! Looks, now we're on to something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, so looks, I think it looks fine. I just think it's. But I, I just, I wonder the justification of it is like, was it really because she didn't want to be blonde or dark like Kelly or Paulina? Like, is that the reason you did it? Or I would have more. I would appreciate it more if it was because of Danny that they did this. Honestly, I like, I really like the blue hair. Actually, uh, Carla from my hair salon, she's blue now too. It's really pretty. It's really pretty. I mean, the pink is, pink is great. Pink's a little played out. Um, the harsh red, not everybody can carry that off, but the blue is really pretty. What about the, the silver purple? Uh, I think that's that's a, a whole level of commitment because that's more than like the blue isn't solid blue. It's blue on top of mm-hmm. um, well, like near black. Well, blue is difficult be- to keep in your hair because of the the molecules of the blue dye is so much larger than all the other colors. Right, and you have to strip out the dark. You have to basically bleach the color, bleach the dark hair first to then put colored pigment back in. Um, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a horrible process on your hair. I, I did dye my hair blue once and it did uh, but you're uh, so... it was more gray I kind of looked like like Papa Smurf Aww. Yeah. It's good I had though. blue for a second but it, it faded to purple quickly <laughs> well um, so they did play their gig at uh, well th- they, we didn't actually see them do the gig but they were getting ready to do the gig at callbacks and nobody showed up. Except for the guy. Except for the guy who thought it was an Angela Lansbury uh, But they, they still performed, But they still apparently performed, right? And were so impressive, mm-hmm. he told a friend. He told his son, who was a booker at the... Um, Williamstown. Williamsburg Bird, Music uh, yeah. House or something. Um, now, I've, my big issue with this entire plot line as a whole is I don't think that this... Um, this first big gig mythology that Starchild puts forth, Elliot, um, that you want to like have a first big night with a memorable at a memorable venue. I don't think that actually happens. I can't I can't tell you where any of my favorite bands played their first big gig. I can I mean, tell that, you where. I mean, it isn't true, but I'm sure it would be gig. nice. It'd be nice if you had your first big gig was big. Of course, that's nice, but it's yeah, not. But most of the time, your first. The year of gigs are just wherever you can get them while you figure out what the heck you're doing as a band 
and the 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 concept that your first thing would be like you know your first gig would somehow be your introduction into the world and all these music critics would come see you that seemed very strange who would you who would even book you apparently the son of a guy who got a bootleg of your performance in callbacks <laughs> take you out to williamsburg i mean unless, and then unless send you cronuts Unless you're one of like one of Jack White's many many iterations of different bands, then you probably have a decent opening. Yeah, there you go. Show. Like them Crooked Vultures, their first gig was at like Coachella. So okay, I guess you're right. There are <laughs> if you have John Paul Jones in the band, then you get to have a giant opening for your first gig. But normal bands don't do that. It was a very strange I I just thought the Pamela Lansbury plotline is already so hard to wrap my brain around in any kind of real sense. And then here is them just pulling bizarre things. It was like, it was like a save by the bell plotline. Like that, that was the level of logic that went into, we have to have a first big gig at the Mercury lounge where no one would book us if we'd never been played before. <laughs> so anyway, really, really good demos. Really, really good, yes. Good if you had amazing demos, um, well, cool. Well, that's pretty much uh, that's really all there is to say about that. That's pretty much all I have to, uh, about the episode. Jennifer, do you have anything else? Ed, anything else you want to say about this episode? That's me shaking my head. Um, I I'm ready for Christmas time. So. All right. Christmas time. Well, so we did wrap the episode with a performance of the Fox by Yelvis. Um, not Elvis. I thought it was Ilvis. Jennifer's friend Faulkner. Uh, I, you're right. Oh. It probably is Ilvis. Ilvis. Um, the best thing in that video is their Scandinavian accents. It's so they're so sexy. Yeah, I just feel like they just felt like they had to do something that was really contemporary because, or, or you know, really timely because they've been doing they were doing kind of older songs. But I feel like they threw this together so half-assed. They've you know got the little rubber noses on, you know. Yeah, well, they, they just like everything it, about it was just kind of weird. I don't know. I liked it. I like the number. I mean, the whole point of the closing number is so that when you leave Glee, you leave Glee happy. Yeah. Like, that's like, and like, how do you leave Glee unhappy after what does the fox say? But Even I would, if you don't like it. You. I was just confused. Yeah, I would disagree. I think the whole purpose of a closing number is that you. Uh, not only yes, you do want to leave Glee happy and you do want to leave with a big statement, but you also want to leave, like, you want to sum up what everyone has yeah, come to throughout the episode. Yeah, you want to tie it all together in a song. Um, and this song had I mean, nothing to do I, with anything ideal. we've seen. Like, you're talking ideal situation for a closing number. I'm talking minimum requirement for a, for a closing number. <laughs> mm. Like... Like ideally, you end with "Take a Bow," and it's like you—it leaves you like in tears, crying in joy. Oh, like, God, like yes. that's what you—that's th- what you want. But, but I'll take <laughs> what does the fox say versus it not being there. Uh, yeah, I just fun. think there's a better song they could have done. I think there's a hundred songs they could have done, but they took the fox because it was when it's they were. Relevant. It was like probably came out the week before the week they recorded this, and somebody came in and said, "We got to do this song really fast." Yeah. So by the time our episode comes what, out, what everyone they, will what be over it. What are they waiting it. to do? Speaking of speaking of relevant songs, are they waiting to do "Can't Hold Us Down" by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis for uh, for Nationals? What are they waiting for? I'm surprised Can't they've gotten this down. far. Yeah, I'm surprised they've gotten this long uh, without a Ryan or Macklemore song. Mm-hmm. "Can't Hold Us Down" was. I'm not saying it was made for Glee, but I just yeah, it's made like it's made for a big Glee number. It's made mm. well, pretty much any of his music I think fits pretty well. I mean, if they were to do what's that like, One Love or you know um, the song about same love, same love yeah, I think that's like written for I mean, Glee as well. Yeah, and any of them would have been, but can't this down is like is like Glee one message, <laughs> Glee, Glee season one message. Yes. So, well, um, that's about it for us. Uh, Ed, do you have any? iTunes reviewers you'd like to thank? Um, I don't have it open, so... Okay. Well, maybe we'll do it in episode. the Christmas episode. Um, <laughs> all right, for the Galifo Podcast with Josh and Ed, I'm Josh. I'm Jen. I'm Ed. Peace out. Good night, everyone. Good night. Somewhere deep in the world, I know you're hiding. What is your side?